I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, everybody. This is Toby Leary. I'm your host on WXDK 95.1 and AM 830 on WCRN. Also, we're on the web. So if you go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, you can sign up to be alerted whenever we record the show. We're also found on all of your podcast sources. Uh, look for Rapid Fire wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can follow us there as well. So thanks for joining us. It's been a busy week already um, with all kinds of uh, stuff in the news about um, the ATF releasing uh, you know, all the regulations that they plan to do next you know, in the next few months, and they've opened it up for public comment. And we hope that all of, the, all of you who are listening to this uh, broadcast, you would go ahead and make your voice be heard in a very respectful uh, way, but articulate a good, cognizant, poignant, uh, you know, argument as to why you feel all of these regulations and rule changes would be infringements and why they don't do anything to reduce crime. They only affect the, uh, those of us who are, you know, responsible gun owners to begin with. So hopefully, you know, we'll make a difference. We certainly made a difference the last time. I'm not sure if they were just buying their time for a more favorable administration to gun control, but the last time the, the ATF proposed changes, they opened it up for comment and it was overwhelming the amount of people who commented and I still take credit for that the last time when it got shut down because it was about a minute or two after I posted my comment so you guys have me to thank no I'm just kidding uh, I'm sure it had nothing to do with my comment but don't just do a form letter you can use a form letter from any gun rights group and see what they say that'll give you the high points but then go ahead and you know articulate a good argument for why this type of regulation is in fact a, an infringement and it's not going to help our law or help the law of the land you know it's not going to put criminals behind bars for a long time let's put it that way so anyway um we have some questions already rolling in we'll get to those soon and um but i wanted to you know reiterate the importance of uh, going and making your voice be heard on the ATF uh, website. So I had the great opportunity um, at the time of this recording. I haven't gone yet, but I'm going to Nighthawk Customs down in Berryville, Arkansas. Um, and I am really looking forward to that. And they said, 
bring your trigger finger. The only thing you need to bring is your trigger finger because we have lots of ammo. And I said, oh, so you guys are the ones to blame for where all the ammo is. We were wondering where it was. But uh, so I'm going down there with Brendan and we're going to have a good time and shoot shoot some guns. But we're more importantly going to get a handle on their business plan and everything with their their business and how they uh, build guns and whatnot, get a little bit better educated in that regard. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'll certainly have an update for you guys next year. And uh, so anyway, um, it's going to be a, a good time, I'm sure. And it's been a while. So I've never been to Arkansas. It's been a while since I've been in you know the South. I've been to Texas. I've been to Florida and all that good stuff, but never been to like Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, the whole that whole, you know, panhandle or, you know, deep south part of the country. So I'm really looking forward to that. So hopefully um, I'll be bringing home some goods. The only Nighthawk custom gun we have in the store right now is that beautiful Korth revolver. So if you haven't seen those Korth revolvers, we got the Korth Super Sport STX in stock in 357 Magnum, and it is a work of art. Um, I put it in someone's hand today, and he goes, what do you think? Is it me? And I said, of course it's you. What are you, crazy? Uh, he already has a Nighthawk, so it's it's probably going to rent some space in his head today. And he picked up my favorite gun today and got it away from me, so I was not tempted any further to buy it. He got the uh, HK P7M8 squeeze cocker, which I have a really soft spot in my heart for, so... Um, that's now gone, unfortunately. I can't look at it anymore, but I know it went to a good home, and I bet you the Korth Revolver follows him home one day soon. So it'll probably be renting some space in his head. But that's the only gun I have from Nighthawk Customs right now, and you know, hopefully we'll see some more soon. And my rep called me and said, how many do you have in stock? I said, we don't have any in stock. I even sold the range gun. And he goes, Oh, well, we better get you some guns. I'm like, hello, that's what I've been saying for like three months. Where are they all? I got a lot on order, but they have such a backlog. So, all right, cool. So let's get to some of your questions here um, really quick. Uh, Daryl is saying, good afternoon, Toby. Glad to see the show is live and kicking. Yes, we are. Also glad to see that a pile of 45 ACP is sitting in there. You grabbed your case as soon as you walked in. Great. That's excellent, Daryl. And for those of you who don't know, we have a pile of 45, a pile of 9mm, and a pile of 5.56 set aside for Full Auto Friday. And we had a lot of people saying, how the heck are you doing Full Auto Friday? And I said, um, well, we do it in a very thoughtful way that uh, you know I believe we are 100% legal to do. And that is that the uh, gun is tethered to the bench. You can't walk away with it. And, you know, therefore, I don't think you ever could be considered in possession of it at that point. So um, the gun is, you know, under our direct supervision and possession by having it firmly tethered to the bench. But you still feel in the recoil of the gun and whatnot. And uh, but you couldn't even turn it or take it out of the booth. It'd be impossible. So we're really excited. So we have a bunch of ammo dedicated to that. We have some 5.56 for the M16, the UMP45, which has been a total ball to shoot, and the MP5. So those are fun. 
Um, so that's happening. And I love it that a mother came in last week and she's like, you know, I waited till my kids got to like 20 years old. And then I said, something I've always wanted to do is shoot guns. And I never, you know, wanted to do it when they were young in the house and stuff. I just didn't feel confident enough. And so I told them one day, I'm going out, I'm getting my license to carry, I'm going to get a gun. And they're like, yeah, ma, rock on. They're like, I have the coolest mom ever. They were totally stoked. And so now she's wanting to bring them with her when she comes shooting. And so she was in last week and she took a ride on the MP5 and had a great time. And she she was like, I got to just take it home. You know, I got to take home the picture and the bragging rights to my kids. And so, yeah, it was it was awesome. But she had a good time and uh, she's doing the right thing and getting responsibly trained in how to safely and efficiently use a firearm. So that's what we love to see. And Saturday was awesome last Saturday because we had women's uh, women's first shots by the NSSF. We did two sessions of that. We also had a women's LTC class on Mother's Day. And we had some cool Mother's Day packages. So it was just a great kickoff to May is uh, Women's Month at Cape Gunworks. So that's what we're doing. If you haven't been down and you're a female, come on down for Women's Month in May at Cape Gunworks. There's all kinds of classes and intro to pistol handling and all that stuff. So, all right, great. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The first focal plane glass etched reticle keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. While strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose-built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. And it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. Welcome back. This is Toby. You're listening to Rapid Fire, our weekly firearm show, all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. So we are happy you're here with us and join us every week on our podcast or our live stream, whatever you want to call it, at capegunworks.com. Click on Rapid Fire. And also you can get signed up there to be notified when we go live. You also want to sign up for our giveaway. We do a giveaway every week. And this week, we're going to be giving away the Hornaday Rapid Safe. It's an AR wall lock. And if you remember last week's show, we talked to Keith, attorney Keith Langer about safe storage in the home. And this is one of those devices that would check off the box of safe storage in the home and safely staging the gun in the home for self-defense. So you want to go ahead and click on that and get signed up we're going to be pulling the ticket and also this week 
we're going to be giving away a Franklin Armory BFS, which is the binary firing system uh, trigger for a Ruger 1022. So that's going to be cool. And I guess it would probably work with like the TCA, uh, the TCR 22s um, that Thompson Center Arms makes, because I believe those are all based on the Ruger 1022 action. So I'm sure this uh, hammer and trigger would work with it as well. So um, I will check on that to be sure. But uh, we had a great time with Franklin Armory last week, and they're participating in the giveaway this week. So get signed up when, uh, as soon as you can for the Franklin Armory BFS 1022 trigger. All right, so we got a call on the phone. Jim, you're next on Rapid Fire. How are you today? Hello. Hey, Jim, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for calling in. What was uh, what'd you have in mind today? <laughs> so... Um... I got a question about mounting a um, a light or a laser or light laser combination um, to a uh, everyday carry um, weapon. Uh, I'm wondering if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, I think from scoping it out, it might be an issue of trying to get a uh, um, a holster for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in particular, um, the Smith and Wesson Nine EZ. Uh, myself okay. and my wife were down there a couple of weeks ago and purchased a couple of them from you guys. Uh, sure. Interestingly, mine came in, but my wife hasn't, but whatever. Shipping is shipping. Um, so that's my question, and I uh, just wonder what your thoughts yeah. are. Yeah. So, the, you know, a laser in particular is a tertiary aiming device, okay? It's like your third option if the first two don't work so well. So the first option is always good kinesthetic alignment with the target. Uh, what we call kinesthetically aligned unsighted fire. So if you're in a defensive situation, um, just based on science and, and the nature of the beast, your brain is going to really key in through, uh, you know, your, your sight, through the greater um, amount of information you can take through the center of your vision. That's what they call like tunnel vision. It's not, it doesn't mean you actually get tunnel vision. It just means that you have... Uh, more information coming in through the center of your vision and processing that information more quickly. And your brain is going to be screaming at you, you know, hey, threat, like gun or whatever the heck it is that's threatening you in that way. So you're most likely to have both eyes open focused on the threat, which is one reason we teach kinesthetically aligned unsighted fire as our primary source of aim. There's going to come a point where you can't hit what you're aiming at because the target is either too small or too far away. And you're going to need to use an aid or a, a crutch, if you will, for lack of a better term. And those are typically sights. So sights make a very good tool on the back and front of the gun for you to line them up, focus hard on the front sight, and get a good sight picture on the, on the target. And then as long as you control your trigger press and your everything else, um, you should get the hit that you're looking for. So those sights are what I consider the, the training wheels to the bike. If you only rely on the sights, you don't know how to shoot your gun fundamentally or uh, kinesthetically, then you're always going to rely on the sights. The third type of aiming device would be a laser. So lasers come in handy a lot if you can't get the gun out and in parallel with your line of sight and maybe you're in the dark, you couldn't see your sights or whatever, or you're just in an 
unorthodox position. So you can't get the gun out. You've got to shoot from maybe retention or from some awkward position because of whatever situation you find yourself in. That's the situation where a laser would come in great. You know, it'd be great. But the mistake I see from people all the time is that they rely on the laser as their primary source of aim. So they come to the range, they turn the laser on, and they have horrible fundamentals, but they can still hit the target because they have this laser. And so I like to take the training wheels off the bikes and send them down the driveway and teach them how to shoot the gun without the, the aid or the training wheels. Once they get that down and they're good fundamentally, then we start layering on the aid. So I would say I'm not opposed to lasers. I think they're great, and I don't think there's a problem with them on a carry gun. Um, and if you do get one, I prefer the ones that deploy when you squeeze or grip the gun. You know, some something like the Viridian or even Crimson Trace makes a really good one that when you grip it, it comes on. So there's grip lasers. So specifically with the Smith & Wesson Easy 9, there's some good options for that so that as soon as you grip the gun and get a good one-handed grip on the gun, the laser turns on. So that would be the way to do it, in my opinion. And you can get the laser light combos. Flashlights I'm not so much on being mounted to the gun unless you're going to still use a primary flashlight as your main uh, tool to light up you know and look or search for the target or to safety on your way to safety I don't like using guns as your flashlight so to speak looking for an area to go to or looking for a target and inadvertently maybe pointing the gun at things that don't need to be shot so uh, but either way you're gonna have to put get a different holster uh, Jim so you're gonna you're gonna have to get a different holster that'll accommodate the laser or maybe not a different one because you might not even have one yet so we just have to special order you the holster that'll accommodate that light laser combo so not a big deal um, but yeah it's it's a certainly if it's in the budget it's not going to hurt you to get one you know it doesn't affect the gun the performance of the gun or the the weight per se so yeah it's it's certainly not a bad option at all um, hopefully that helped you out does that Confuse you or make it feel better, make it any better for you. Does that make sense? I think, okay, I, I can barely hear him, so I think he's on, like, speaker or something. But, all right, well, hey, thanks for the call, and uh, I appreciate it. It was a good question, and um, I hope that uh, points him in the right direction. For some reason, I lost you there and don't know why. But, anyway, um, so let's get to some of the questions rolling in on the stream. And uh, so Daryl's questioning, uh, before the show started, I was teasing out to those who were on the live stream um, that I have some ammo coming in, and you heard it here first. So uh, so the um, I have a huge supply of 9 mil coming in, and I'm hoping to be able to sell 9 mil in bulk again by 1,000-round quantities. That's what I mean by bulk. But um, I'm hoping but don't hold me to that secondly is i got a call from one of my reps that i am getting probably the largest ammo shipment in the history of cape gunworks so i'm pretty excited about that at when that shipment comes in we will have more ammo than we have ever had in the history of cape gunworks pre-pandemic or not so or post so um, 
yeah, Keith's on the phone too. So why don't we go ahead and head over to Keith? Uh, Keith, thanks for calling in. How you doing today? Not too badly, sir. Yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, I heard your interesting discussion of uh, weapon-mounted aids, mm. and as is my want, let me play devil's advocate and suggest a flashlight over a laser. Hmm. Let me tell you why. A laser, properly sighted in, only shows you where you're going to hit. It doesn't tell you what, mm. which is sort of a good thing to know. Yes. That's why I like a nice, intensely focused beam flashlight over the laser, which is what I have in the forend of my home defense shotgun. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as I finished up with that, um, uh, I was commenting on how I don't necessarily mind a weapon-mounted light, but I would consider it a good backup light because, number one, like I said, I just don't want to be searching through, let's put it this way, in my home, which is the most likely place I would need that that flashlight on the weapon uh I don't want to be searching my way through my home as I go to my barricade position of my bedroom and, you know, I lock my door, get 911 on the phone, and I'm waiting for 911 to come take care of the bad guy. As I'm going through and I'm gathering up my kids along the way, most likely, or I'm even retreating to the barricade position in the kids' room, either way, uh, I don't want to be inadvertently sweeping kids with flashlights as I'm looking my way. So now, the good news is there's lights in my house, so I can throw the switch and turn the lights on. But if for some reason power's out or something like that in like some worst case zombie apocalypse, and now I have bad guys in the house and my family in the house, I don't want to inadvertently be lighting up one of my family members as I am trying to, you know, get to a position of safety. Um, So with that, I advocate, you know, having a handheld uh, light as my primary. And then if I need to shoot, I drop the handheld or I use it as a, uh, you know, some sort of like FBI Harry's hold or whatever. But most likely I'm dropping that and going to my weapons mounted light because I do have a weapons mounted light on one of my home defense guns. Um, and I hear what you're saying. For the same reason you don't want to inadvertently sweep the the good guy, you also want to make sure you see the bad guy when you're shooting and you want to have positively identified that target. So I get the uh, the thought process behind that, and I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just saying as an extra layer of protection, I would want to make sure that I uh, had a, you know, handheld as my primary. So, yeah, I hear you. My only issue with the handheld is it takes two hands. Mm-hmm. If you want to open a door, if you're sweeping up a kid, you need a hand free. Yeah. No, I agree. Yep, you definitely do. Everybody has their tactical preferences. Yes, (laughs) I understand. But thank you. That was good input, and uh, I appreciate it. I'm not going to say you're wrong in this case because there's not – the most important thing is making sure you critically think it through, have a plan. All right, we'll be right back after this. Have a good trip to Arkansas. My cousin's in charge of – Thank you, Keith. We'll be right back. Polarized, rugged, and extremely clear, Loophole Performance Eyewear filters out harsh light while dramatically reducing glare. 
Whether you're hiking through the backcountry, dialing in at the range, or navigating the daily grind, Leupold's crystal clear lenses will keep your eyes protected and your vision fresh all day long. Learn more about Leupold Performance Eyewear at leupold.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary, your host, co-owner of Cape Gunworks. And if you haven't been to Cape Gunworks, come on down. We'd love to have you. We have inventory. And in our little pre-show role, we had a lot of people chiming in that their local gun stores and gun shops and whatnot, even some of the biggies like, uh, you know, up north and whatnot, uh, didn't have any inventory to speak of. So we have ammo, we have guns. And we have more ammo coming in, so I'm excited about that. And uh, we have a question here um, from Matt. He, I'm sorry, from Andy. He says, do I think ammo prices will drop back down to pre-COVID or even close ever again? I wouldn't go out on a limb and speculate, but I definitely think ammo prices will come down at some point. They always do. This is cyclic. It happens... Every time there's a crisis, uh, ammo goes through the roof. And unfortunately, the downward trend is sometimes the most dangerous, as it was a year or two ago. Um, People don't realize when there's a friendly gun administration in office, gun sales languish a little bit. They end up, we called it in the industry, the Trump slump this last time. So three years of having Trump in office, which is good for gun rights, was terrible for gun sales and it just I know people just sometimes aren't motivated when there's not a proverbial gun to their head Um, so when they feel like their rights are being threatened they get out and they buy product 
when there's like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get one. Oh, that's a cool gun. I'll have to check out sometime, you know, when I'm not at the ball game, when I'm not at, you know, raking leaves, when I'm not going to the beach, when I'm not out on the boat fishing. I'll go get in there someday to check that out. That's just the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not like crying about it. It's just the way it is. It's the industry as a whole. This last Trump slump was a long one. Basically, Sandy Hook was the big, the last big, you know, scare buy, panic buying event. And after that, it took a little while to tone down, but there was people that were over leveraged. So they had bought big containers of ammo at high prices. And then all of a sudden, no one was buying ammo as soon as 2016 hit. Um, it was very hard to get uh, people to buy. And so the price just went down. Supply went through the roof and demand went down. And so, you know, we had a lot of manufacturers putting incentives out there, get, you know, a couple bucks off a box and stuff like that and incentivizing us as dealers to to buy big loads and case, I mean, pallet quantities or truckload quantities. And we were like, nah, yeah, okay, maybe I'll buy a pallet if you give me extended terms or, you know, you give me uh, some swag or something you know it's just one of those times and then you were really price shopping like I remember walking by the Winchester booth or the federal booth or whatever and really price shopping for our customer and making sure we were getting the best prices nowadays it's like some Turkish ammo comes in on a boat tomorrow with some box that you've never seen we're buying it you know what I mean that's the way it is it just doesn't there's just not enough in the industry right now and so do I think it'll ever come down to pre-pandemic levels? I don't know. Not for a little while. Probably four or five years at least. It depends though. I mean, I think the perfect storm would have to happen for it to get down to that level again. In other words, we would have to have an administration that isn't hostile to guns. We would have to have no pandemic on the horizon or you know, some sort of, you know, emergency, there would have to be no riots in the streets and, you know, people burning down federal buildings and people, you know, setting up traffic roadblocks and all that stuff. And it would have to just go back to normal as as it was the last few years. And if it gets to that level in the next few years, I'd be shocked. But if it does, then yeah, I think prices are going to come down. If not, I think the st- this train is going to continue down the tracks for a while and we're going to have some opportunity buys here and there and maybe some price breaks here and there. I would just like to see it that you could buy bulk again. That's really my desire is to be able to sell it by the case again. And we do have a lot of different ammo that is available by the case right now, 45, 308, 22, stuff like that. But anyway, let's all hope and like yeah Andy's crossing his fingers that's right um and uh so yeah Jay wants to know what the best quick access safe is for home defense and in my opinion it is a vault tech product I really like the uh the biometric um but the Hornaday products are phenomenal as well with the RFID devices so you can put like a a wristband on you could have a sticker on the back of your cell phone or a credit card in the back of your wallet that you can just wave over the device and it'll open up so those rfid 
safes that uh, Hornaday, like the one we're giving away this week, the Rapid Safe Wall Lock, is is pretty sweet. Uh, you can do that. I but I also really like the uh, Vault Tech products. The biometric works really good. They have a Bluetooth function that'll sync with your phone. You could be at work, and if someone's tampering with the safe, it'll alert you. If somebody puts in the code too many times, you can lock them out and all that. So I really like those for quick access safes. So that's what I'd look into, Jay, is the Hornaday ones and the Vault Tech. Um, and hey, both of them happen to sponsor the show, so there's no coincidence there. Um, but I do like the fact that they're products I believe in and personally use. So there you have it. John wants to know if you can buy a SIG MCX as an SBR in Massachusetts. John, I don't see why not, but my opinion of the situation is buy the standard MCX. Number one, it'll probably be easier to find, and then do a Form 1 and SBR it. I've had a lot of SBR tax stamps approved and denied. I've seen some denied for arbitrary reasons, and it's impossible to reinvent the wheel and get the guy who denied it to all of a sudden reverse his decision. I have not seen any Form 1s get denied or heard of any Form 1s get denied um, recently. So I would recommend you just buy the MCX and then do a Form 1 and SBR it. Is it going to cost you more money that way? Yep, it is. But I'm sorry. That's the way I think it's going to get done the best. And that way, um, you know, that's the most important thing is if you want to SBR it to actually get it rather than spend all the money on an SBR and then uh, get denied and have to get your money back and blah, blah, blah. So, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, Jay wanted to store a full-size handgun and an extra magazine. Yeah, both of those safe options that I talked about are plenty big enough for that. Um, Matt says, we the people holsters make nice holsters for firearms plus laser sight. Yeah, there's a bunch of good companies. We deal with 508 and A&R Design. Uh, A&R is up in New Hampshire and 508 out in Western Mass. They both make great holsters. So, yeah, we can definitely um, help you with that, um, get the right one for you. Um, let's see. Uh, any LoJack type safes? Well, the one I was talking about, uh, the... The Vault Techs definitely have that um, Vault Tech app that you can get on your phone and it'll Bluetooth to your phone. Um, you can add user IDs from it. You can uh, view the safe history if people were trying to get in. It'll tell you what the battery level is and much more. So you want to make sure that uh, if you get the uh, Vault Tech safe that you download their app. So that's the way. I'd work it because if you're at work and someone's tampering with your safe, you just get on 911 and you can get it taken care of. You know what I mean? So I always say they're not long-term safes. They're not for when I go away on vacation. Get a good, you know, big, heavy-duty, fire-rated safe for that. And we had a customer um, come in one day after a six-month stint in Florida who came back to find that someone had broken into his house and he didn't have his alarm set, which is crazy. Set your alarms, but he didn't set his alarm. And uh, this, these people had weeks, really. They didn't know that, but they had weeks to try to get the guns out of the safe. And he had a really good fire-rated browning safe. You know, it was a three or $4,000 safe. And they spent, 
I don't know how much time, but they had sawzalls and jackhammers and pry bars, and they never got into the safe. They cut the hinges right off the outside with a torch and uh, never got in. So, uh, yeah, thank God for that. So his, his guns didn't walk. The safe was junk, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, a, that's important. I, I have a nice heavy-duty safe that when I go away on vacation or whatever, all the guns go in that. And then, um, you know, for home defense, I have some good biometric uh, safes that work really well. So check that out. Uh, Lori wants a honey badger. Yeah, I teased her a, a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago now with uh, the Q honey badger that we have here at the shop. And it is a phenomenal SBR, um, but it's a two-tack stamper. So it'll never fly in Afghanistan. So it's a short-barreled rifle with a integ in, it's integrally suppressed, um, and it is a pretty cool gun. Made in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and the ATF tortured them over the whole uh, pistol brace thing, and that's the one I was alluding to earlier. That uh, through the public opinion and public comment, um, they were you know they backed off the banning of the arm braces. So I don't know if that's gonna rear its ugly head again, but we'll see. Uh, Leighton wants to know, how do you get to purchase an AR lower and are the AR banned in mass? Oh, yes. That's a great topic. <laughs> so, yes, the AR-15 has been banned through a regulation by the Attorney General. And it's actually a reinterpretation of an existing law and basically, she created a new regulation that banned, it expanded on the definition of assault weapon, not by the legislature, not by, you know, Congress or sign of signing into law by the governor, but by her just one day waking up after 18 years of seeing the law enforced a certain way, really twisting and manipulating it to be what she wanted it to say. And then threatened all gun stores in Massachusetts with an enforcement notice saying they will bring down the hammer on anyone who sells an AR-15 copy or clone. And uh, along with six or seven other enumerated weapons on there. So the only way to get an AR lower or an not necessarily an AR lower because a, a lower is technically not regulated by the state. Even though in her enforcement notice she says she views the lower as an assault weapon because it can be readily assembled from parts into an assault weapon. This has always been the case with a lot of guns. And again, after 18 years of interpretation, she is seeing that as a uh, an assault weapon, even though Massachusetts doesn't recognize a lower, even if it's the serialized portion of the gun that the feds recognize as the gun, Massachusetts doesn't recognize it as a gun. So she really doesn't have any jurisdiction over the lower um, because it is, you know, not a law. So because she feels it can be readily converted into a gun, they have sent out an enforcement notice that you can't sell it or on her frequently asked questions. But anyway, so... The long and short of it is, if you want an AR-15 right now in the state of Massachusetts, you can find one on the private for sale market, or 
you can buy a pre-band. Pre-bands are going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, we actually have a pre-band 9mm in stock right now. It's a Colt, and it's a beautiful gun, really good shape, and comes with three pre-band high-cap mags. But, again, you're going to pay a premium. These are $2,700, $2,800. Excuse me. Um, there is some people who, uh, Brandon is commenting here, that there's some FFLs in mass that sell stripped lowers, but the legality is questionable. Again, I think it's legal for them to sell the strip lower, but I don't think under her definition it's legal for you to, might not be legal or illegal, but they are going to come after, you know, guns that are built in that manner. So I don't know if it's legal or illegal either, but we'll talk about this again on the other side of the break. All right, I'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Stay tuned. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316th-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Every week, same time, same channel. Uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings uh, on WXDK or WCRN or on the web or on the iHeartRadio podcast. Uh, but anywhere you find your podcast now, you should be able to find Rapid Fire. And uh, you can also see the archives on our website if you click on Rapid Fire. So getting back to what we were talking about before the break, um, the AR-15, and I want to I wanted to bring this back up because it's important based on what's going to happen or it depends when you're listening to this broadcast, it may have already happened, but as of Wednesday, the 12th, um, there is a hearing on a lawsuit that we are a party of in federal court that challenged Maura Healy's ban and said, you illegally made a regulation. You did it without due process, and you didn't follow the you know, customer, I'm sorry, the, uh, the citizens input period and have question and comment sessions. And, you know, there's a whole rollout for new regulations in this state. And so, you know, we're challenging that she has illegally created a regulation and, uh, and is enforcing it without due process. And so that will have its day in court after a long awaited time. This is, goes back to 2016 is when the, she did it. And, you know, the lawsuit started a few, couple of years ago. And so hopefully we'll see some good traction on that front. The sad thing is, you know, even if she they go, oh, yeah, OK. And they just will 
go through the process. Um, so I don't know that it'll solve all the problems, but really we need to see the lawsuits that the other lawsuit were a part of as well, which is um, to challenge the legality of the whole ban itself after 18 years of precedent changing the way we do things. So, And you got to remember, too, the entire country operated under the assault weapons ban for 10 years, and not a single attorney general in any state or fed federal agency interpreted the law the way that she does. And so... Anyway, that that uh, that's the way that is. Obviously, I think she's got some gubernatorial uh, aspirations, and I hope that the last year has really cemented the importance of the Second Amendment in most people's hearts and minds throughout the country and in this state, because I know. We're getting tons of people every day and in every class that may not politically align with the average gun owner, but they are, in my opinion, uh, having a huge awakening at the process of what is required of them as law-abiding citizens, soon to be responsible gun owners, at how hard it is. And they've heard on the news hammered into their you know, brains for forever and a day that it's easier to buy a gun than take out a library book at the local library. You know, it's it's ridiculous, the rhetoric that has come and that news agencies have put out there. But the bottom line is um, it's it's an extremely prohibitive process and it is an infringement on our Second Amendment. And so the last time a gubernatorial candidate who was this anti-gun ran for office, he got trounced. And it was Luther Scott Harshbarger who um, who ran basically on a gun control issue. That was his main issue. And he didn't win, thankfully. Um, so I'm hoping that the people in the state realize and recognize uh, Maura Healy for, uh, you know, the same, cut out of the same cloth and is anti-gun. And really just look at what, her language was when they took the uh, guns, uh, gun shops off of the essential store, essential business list. You know, she, I mean, it was just unbelievable how, you know, she cast aspersions on every single law-abiding gun owner in the state or responsible gun owner in the state, basically saying we need to protect uh, women and, you know, police and everything else from you. And then uh, proceeded to use the uh, gun show loophole and the fact that there's a Walmart in Western Mass that sold ammo as the fact that they're not banning guns or infringing upon our rights as their legal argument. So anyway, um, so someone's asking, uh, could this be poking, poking the bear? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, shoot. The point is, you know, don't get into politics if you're afraid to have your feelings hurt. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm over that. I'm not worrying about that. And the point is, uh, the, you know, we have rights and you violate the Constitution every day in your office when you choose to enforce these arbitrary 
interpretations of laws that don't exist. And you're the one who upheld your hand as a, and swore an oath to protect the Constitution. And I have a contract with my, you know, from my government called the Bill of Rights. So there you have it. And uh, the difference between pre-Healy and pre-94 pre-ban is a date. I'll get back to you on that, Dave. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The first focal plane, glass-etched reticle, keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long-distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts, while strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose-built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price, and it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. Welcome back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. And join us every week on WXDK 95.1 or WCRN AM 830 in the Boston area, Metro West area. And uh, we'll talk all things guns, law, self-defense, Second Amendment, all that good stuff. And freedom, good old American freedom. So, uh, yeah. So before the break, we were talking about uh, the the edict by Attorney General Maura Healy and uh, Dave was asking what the difference was between pre-Healy and pre-94 pre-ban. So the pre-94 pre-ban, which is really the only pre-ban that there, that there is, is a, predates the federal assault weapons ban, which we live under now since 1998. Well, actually, since 94, because it never went away for us, but it went away for the rest of the country. And if you have a pre-ban, a true pre-ban, you can have all the evil features, quote-unquote. I love to quote Dianne Feinstein's interpretation of guns, which is evil features or military features like bayonet lugs and flash hiders and folding stocks or collapsible stocks or pistol grips or detachable magazines. These are all evil features. And so you're allowed two evil features on your quote-unquote assault weapon. Or, no, I I shouldn't say that, on your weapon or else it's considered an assault weapon if you have two or more. So any type of modern sporting rifle typically has a pistol grip and a detachable magazine. So those are your two evil features. So you can't have the dreaded flash hider or threaded muzzle or collapsible stock or folding stock or et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so if you have a post-ban but pre-Healy AR-15, it has to be in this post-ban configuration. It has to have no threaded muzzle or no flash hider, no et cetera, et cetera. 
And then if you have one of those, you can still legally transfer that gun to somebody. And, you know, you got to do it through a private transfer, though. You can't do it through a gun store. So you got to do an EFA 10. So um, that's that. And Keith uh, points out here, the last four AGs have all come from Middlesex DA's office and pushed a hopalophobic agenda. Three ran for governor and thankfully failed. Maura timed her edict, the first declared as a letter to the globe, just before the Democrat convention, hoping to be swept up in the Hillary ascension. Fortunately, they both failed. And I hope her failures continue in federal court. So, um, yes, that is that is 100% true. And it was the Harshbarger and then Tom Riley and then uh, Maura Healy, and I forget who the fourth one was, but they've all had a pretty consistent message when it came to what they think about us as legal gun owners and people who follow the law and people who do their thing. So, all right, let's go ahead and draw the winner for this week's giveaway, which is the AR Wallock Rapid Safe by Hornaday. And I'm going to get this on the camera so those of you watching can see it. Hold on one sec. So this is it here. And Professor Claus pulling from the barrel and he's got Peter Barnard. So Peter Barnard, you are the winner of the Rapid Safe AR Wallock. And again, this has RFID technology. It comes with a wristband, a key fob, decals, and a keypad. So if all else fails, you can get in with your keypad if you don't have the fob on you or whatever. And it also has the uh, key backup if all else fails and the and the uh, lock has uh, and the batteries have gone dead. So you can still get in with a key. So yeah, Peter, congratulations! You'll be getting an email from us. And from those of you who didn't win, don't fret. We have them in stock down here at Cape Gunworks. You can come and buy one. And it's a really, really good one. Uh, so I would highly recommend it. And I believe they're right around $200. And this week's giveaway is going to be the Franklin Armory uh, BFS binary trigger for the Ruger 1022. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. That's a $279 value. So we want to thank Franklin Armory for doing that. And all our sponsors are awesome. So we're pretty, pretty pumped. To have them on board and it was coakley that's right keith is chiming in it was martha coakley who lost to scott brown in her run for u.s senator um so there you have it there's the the four uh i hear, I hear some machine gun fire here what's up with that uh yeah Lori wants a drawing for the honey badger that that's not gonna work um yeah let's see uh, oh, Daryl's saying RFID will work with all the rapid safes. That's cool. So once you have one, you can program them all. Uh, let's see. Um, don't forget uh, to check out the um, the BFS triggers here as well. We have them for the AR-15 and the uh, the Ruger 1022. And if you haven't shot the Ruger 1022 with the BFS trigger, it's a it's a hoot. It's a lot of fun. So uh, Leighton wants to know what other states accept the mass carry permit and does Cape Gunworks no longer carry mini shells or mini slugs? Um, I would carry mini shells by the truckload if I could get them right now because they are awesome. I love them. 
and uh, I think they're great in the home defense shotgun, especially if you have like a KSG or a KS7. The Caltech products are designed to, they were originally designed to run those mini slugs. And now Mossberg 500s and 530s are pretty awesome too because you can get a this Opsol mini clip that goes in right behind the uh, ejection port, I'm sorry, uh, the loading gate, and it kind of shortens up your loading gate area so that it runs flawlessly with those mini shells. It runs really, really great. And Federal even makes the mini shells too. So I'm hoping in our giant drop from Federal in the next week or two that we get some of those mini shells because they're awesome. I love them. I think they're great for home defense. So it's not that I don't carry them. It's that I haven't been able to get them from the Aguila ones. And what other states? Any state that's a constitutional carry state will recognize you from Massachusetts as long as you're not a prohibited person. And now there's 21 states that are constitutional carry. Some will offer you some reciprocity, but you're going to need to investigate that a little more. And all the states to our north, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, are constitutional carry states. Hopefully, someday, all states will be constitutional carry states. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be amazing if it was back to the freedom we once had in this country. So let's work towards that. That's what I suggest. But anyway, you guys hear the music? I'm running out of time. My time is short here on Rapid Fire. So join us every week. We'd love to have you. I love you guys. God bless, and we'll see you next time. I am Toby Leary, and this is Rapid Fire. <laughs>